Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still that we might hear from you. Amen. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant only unto Israel, saith the Lord. Instead, I will give you as a light unto all people. This, of course, was spoken by the prophet Isaiah during the Babylonian exile, as those who'd been uprooted from their homeland found themselves despairing over their current situation. You will indeed return one day, God is here telling them, but you will return changed. For you came here with a belief that my commitment to and that my love for humankind was exclusive unto you. But having now lived among these foreign people, having been challenged by their different beliefs and ways of life, now you see how much more expansive reality is. How much more complicated things in this broken world really are. And thus, I will soon enough be sending you home with an expanded mission. For from here forward, you are to be a light not only unto yourselves and unto those like you, but from here forward, you are to be a light unto all people. Crucial words from the Babylonian exile that carry implications in the world even now. And Israel failed time and time again to do this, we ought to say. Failed, that is, to be a light unto all people. For no sooner had Israel been set free from Babylon and returned to the promised land than they were denying the Samaritans their rightful place among the Israelite community. And then, no sooner had they begun to make inroads with some of the surrounding nations and tribes, then certain leaders and priests among them began forbidding intermarriage and began making plans for things like physical barriers to keep others out. And these examples, mind you, are only in the first few decades upon their return. We'd spend far too long this morning chronicling all the examples given to us in Scripture of how the restored Israelite community fell short of their expansive new mission. But it's of the essence of human nature to fall short in this way, to struggle to match our ideals to our actions. So such shortcomings and regressions in the Israelite story ought not to surprise us, The thing that ought to surprise us, though, and that ought indeed to inspire us, is how largely successful Israel was in carrying this new expansive mission forward. For even despite countless setbacks, a new ethos did indeed come to define the Israelite community. Or restored to the promised land after the exile. No longer did they see themselves as God's chosen, the only loved and favored people on earth. Now and from here forward, they saw themselves, yes, as God's chosen, but chosen to show others how loved and favored by God they are too. 
Because ultimately they took these words to heart. That it is too light a thing to be my servant only unto Israel. Instead, I will give you as a light unto all people. Well, that was 2,600 years ago or so. And some 2,600 years or so later, that all part remains mighty difficult. While it sounds good in theory to say that God loves all people and that therefore so too shall we, in practice, this is exceedingly hard. This is, of course, why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount asks what credit it is to his disciples that they love those whom they find it easy to love and that they give to and that they forgive those whom they know they'll receive back from. Jesus was no dummy. He knew that even those closest to him were liable to and that soon enough they eventually would withhold kindness and generosity and love toward those whom they disliked or found difficult and knew even that they'd do it in his name. And this is, of course, why the Apostle Paul so regularly extolled the importance of things like mutual love and commitment to forbearance. Even though, as demonstrated in Scripture, he himself struggled mightily to put these things into practice. Yes, to talk about unconditional love and mutual respect and sincere magnanimity, such things are not only easy to talk about, but they feel good to say, too. But to practice them? Well, that is an altogether different thing. Yes, it is an altogether different thing. But dear family, I stand before you today to say this. We better. We better. Because if we as Christians don't model the grace and the generosity of spirit that the humble call of Christian discipleship demands of us, then who will? And in a time when people no longer just disagree with one another, which is not only an acceptable but in fact necessary thing for human relationships and for moral progress. No, when people no longer simply disagree with one another but now increasingly find ourselves disgusted by one another. Well, in such a time, our world needs Christian disciples who can model the fruits of the Spirit now more than ever. Yes, I stand before you today to say that practicing such things as kindness and charitability is something we as a church better do. It's difficult as it is. And I say this so definitively and so declaratively for the simple reason that far too many churches today and far too many Christians who comprise those churches are not doing it. Are in fact doing the exact opposite. 
having moved the lordship of Jesus from the center of our lived experience, we have all too many of us as Christians replaced Christ's lordship with the lordship of things like our own partisan politics and ideological preferences. Oh, we still no doubt talk about Christ, perhaps louder and more forcefully than ever. But when you listen to many of us, it is clear that Christ is now serving our politics and our ideological positions rather than our politics and our ideological positions being inspired by Christ. And the effect of that recentering is this that rather than having our commitment to the crucified, resurrected, ascended, returning Lord Jesus inspire our approach to these secondary items, giving us, among other things, spiritual resources with which to disagree kindly and lovingly and charitably on them, now such things, which are no doubt deeply important but should nonetheless always be secondary, now such things begin to define for us what we think that it means to follow Jesus. And that is all the difference in the world. Jesus is the center. That commitment buttresses our capacity to be the kind of charitable, kind-spirited disciples we are called to be. But if Jesus is not the center, then Jesus quickly becomes leverage and a talking point in the pursuit of our own partisan positions. Jesus is the center. We have access to resources for truly being a light unto all people. But if Jesus is not the center, we grow quite comfortable with being a light only unto ourselves and those like us. And sadly, this is where we increasingly find ourselves as the Christian church in the polarized, vitriolic 21st century, comfortable being lights only unto ourselves and those like us, when, as God says through the voice of Isaiah, we, God's people, are called to be a light unto all. There was a man at my former church who told me something one day that shocked me. Nearly 40 years after the church had voted to begin ordaining women as deacons and ministers, this longtime church member told me that he had not agreed with the vote then and that he still didn't agree with it now. You know, we lost a lot of people from this church when we made that decision, Austin, he said to me. I told him I was very familiar with the story. And then I asked him, so if you were in disagreement, if you're still in disagreement, why have you stayed which this man looked at me like I just asked the dumbest question in the world and then responded by saying, because this is my church. Because I made a commitment to this church. And because even though I don't agree with everyone on this matter, I love this church. And because I know that we all agree that Christ Jesus is Lord, that's why. 
I've stayed. Well, it was a lesson I won't soon forget. He and I disagreed on the question of women in ministry. I think he was dead wrong. And I think such an opinion has disastrous consequences. He thinks I'm dead wrong. And he thinks it's had disastrous consequences. Nonetheless, he loved me as his pastor. And he loved that church as his church because he believed that this is what it means to be a disciple and to live in community with one another. That it means putting our commitment to the resurrected and returning Lord Jesus above everything else and then learning to work and live together from there. And as I say, in so doing, I learned an important lesson from this man, which is that people like myself, we who think we're being inclusive because we're given to inviting in those who have heretofore too often been left out, that we are being just as exclusive if we can't make space for the ones who don't see it, whatever it happens to be, the same way that we ourselves see it. Yes, this man reminded me of something we ought never to lose sight of, which is that it is far too light a thing to be a servant only unto those who think and act and live and vote the way we do. And that if we are to be true disciples, we are called to be servants unto all people. So as I close this sermon and with it this sermon series, I challenge us with this. As we commit ourselves to reconceiving church success as looking more like faith formation than simply numerical growth. And as we commit ourselves to waiting upon the Lord to renew our strength and to supply our vision rather than rushing ahead in our impatience to simply be doing something. And as we commit ourselves to grounding whatever we do as a church in the fruit of the Spirit and to aiming all things at the kingdom of God, as we commit ourselves to all of these things, let us all the while foster in this community and in this space an abiding disposition of welcome and embrace and openness and mutual respect acknowledging that we will never all see things the same way on this side of the veil, but that this is okay. For so long as we foreground the resurrected and returning Lord Jesus, so long as we keep Him at the center, we will grow as disciples on account of our differences and disagreements. Yes, as attendance in the American church continues to decline and as far too many churches continue to replace commitment to true discipleship with commitment to something altogether different, let us, Boulevard Baptist Church, heed that clarion call from Isaiah. That call that inspired a flagging and despairing Israelite community to renew its strength. And that led ultimately to the beautiful mess that we know today as the Christian church worldwide. Yes, let us heed that call to be a light and a shoulder and a support and a servant unto all.
Do you remember in our gospel lesson what Jesus says to his disciples when they, looking at the hungry crowds that surround them, suggest to Jesus that he send them somewhere else to be served? Looking on that hungry crowd with compassion, the text tells us, Jesus says to his disciples, you serve them. In a starving world, Boulevard, not us, then who? To which all God's people said, Amen. I'll be down front to receive any who might this day want to commit themselves to following the way of Jesus or any who might this day want to join our number here at Boulevard.